How important is it really for you to answer those 15,000 emails before you close off for the day? How important is it really for you to get back to this person right now? Because if everything is important, nothing is important. And I think by having so many to-dos, that's really just a mask of learned helplessness. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 335. We are turning the tables today with Kayla Craft on her podcast, Mommy Millionaire. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. My name is Julie Solomon. I am a publicist by trade. Back in the day when I worked in corporate America agency world, I was a publicist for a very long time and a marketer. For the last decade, I have been doing what I do online. And so now I help people build personal brands. I believe that influence is our superpower. And I help bring that out in people, especially if they don't believe that. And I love to work with those that are like, I don't have an influence. I have nothing to say. I'm not important. And I love to really kind of crack them open. And so that's really the crux of what I do. I also have a podcast called the Influencer Podcast, which I started five years ago, which feels insane to think that that's been out for half a decade. And I show up every Wednesday on that podcast. And then I am now an author of a brand new book called Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable, which I think by the time this podcast airs, it's going to be available for everyone to either listen to on Audible or to read on hardback. Yay. I'm so excited because I just got to read the book and it was so good. I love all the personal stories you put in there and all the practical things on how people can actually get what they want. So. Why is it so important for you to teach people this concept? Well, for one, for a very long time, I didn't think that getting what I wanted was impossible. And I lived in this victim mindset of the poor me's. I would see the life that I wanted in other people, but I would always say like, oh, but they get that. I can't have that or, you know, easy for them. You know, I'd make up excuses. I would just stay in this victim trap, which I'm love to talk about more as to why that was with a lot of my own origin story and scarcity mindset. But once I was able to really start to blow my own damn mind with what is possible and really pushing myself to think bigger and think outside of the box, I saw how powerful that could be. And I wanted other women, especially to also not only bear witness to that, but to experience that. And so if I could be a conduit in any way to help other women get what they want so they can have freedom in their own lives, I wanted to be able to do that. And that's really you know, my mission now in life and my purpose. Okay. So in the book you do, you talk about your story and it's so powerful because I think people look at somebody like you and they just think it's always been easy that Mm -hmm. you just decide you want something and somebody hands it to you. Yes. Yes. And that was not the case. And Mm -hmm. I think if you're somebody like that listening in right now, you're just in that victim mentality and also like an entitlement mentality. If you actually think somebody's going to like walk up and hand you success on a platter, If only it were that easy. (laughs) Right. And even if it was that easy, none of us would be happy. Can you imagine? Like we'd be like, ugh, I don't want it. (laughs) Right. Because usually the things that we do want most in life, we have to fight for. There has to be skin in the game. And yeah, I grew up in a really small town with two parents that came from very humble backgrounds. My dad grew up in extreme poverty. Both of my parents did not go to college. My dad literally wore a blue collar to work every day. And it was a very small town scarcity mindset. So as long as we had enough money to pay the bills, then everything was okay. 
And so I was just privy to a lot of chaos, a lot of, you know, destruction. There was alcoholism in the home. There was, you know, gambling money away. There was just a lot of dysfunction. And so I believed that in order to succeed, you had to suffer, that success really had to be hard, that if you wanted something done, you had to do it yourself because no one else can do it for you, that you never want to be seen as like some pathetic victim, but at the same time, what you want is impossible because it's a scarcity mindset. So it was always like this dichotomy of there's not enough. There'll never be enough, but you can't ask for help and you can't go and get the support that you need because that means that you're fill in the blank. You can't ask for help. You've got to do everything yourself and it has to be really, really hard. And so this led to a lot of just chaos and dysfunction in my own life as I became an adult. I talk about the origin stories in the book and how we all have an origin story. And these are just really the stories and belief systems that end up shaping the way that we see the world, the way that we you know, connect with the world, the way that we work, the way that we communicate with other people and the things that we choose to believe. And for a very long time, because we don't know what we don't know, I was choosing to believe those lies that you know, success was hard. Abundance wasn't real. There was never enough money to go around. And people that were successful, that was like other people that got to happen to other people and not me. And so it allowed me to play a victim for a very long time. It allowed me to put my head in the sand. It allowed me to justify and rationalize a lot of really unhealthy patterns just in my own life with relationships, with money, with people. And slowly but surely, when I had just become a new mom and I was trying to fill a void, I started to buy things. And, you know, I would justify it by, well, I have this PR career, I'm making my own money, so I should be able to spend it however I wanted. And, you know, I would say things like, well, I'm not going down to Rodeo Drive and buying Chanel purses, so it really can't be that bad. I'm just buying lip gloss from Sephora. I'm going out and having a gal's brunch. I'm going to a happy hour. It's not that big of a deal. And slowly but surely, I was racking up over $30,000 of credit card debt. And because I had so much shame around money and shame around my misuse and misunderstanding of money and how I had been taught to believe about money and not just money, but women's roles with money. So also the small town mentality was the husband worries about the money. The woman doesn't because she's not capable. And so it was these stories of like, well, I was never good at math in high school. I'm not good with numbers. You know, there's just going to be some like man that falls down from the sky and is going to take care of Julie's money and she doesn't have to worry about it. And so this led to a lot of dysfunctional thinking that now had me at a kitchen table being found out, which was my biggest fear, that I was now $30,000 in the hole. I had lied to the most important person in my life, which was my husband about it. I had omitted things, kept things from him. And I now had to deal with this scary question of why am I so afraid to be honest about money? Why am I so afraid of money? Why do I have this irrational fear around money? And that's where it led me. And so we all have origin stories and maybe there's women out there, maybe they weren't as crazy as I was and hid $30,000 of credit card debt from their husbands. But you know, maybe there's those other things. Another thing that I used to do all the time, and it was a learned behavior because I used to watch my mom do it. She would go to like TJ Maxx to go shopping and would rush in the house to hide her shopping bags before my dad would see them because she didn't want to be called out for spending money. And so it was just all these layers of things of like, not only do I not understand money, not only am I scared of money, not only do I not know how to manage money, but I'm even scared to even believe that I'm worthy of using and spending money the way in which I want to, or the way in which I need to, in order to actually have a healthy relationship with it. And in order for money to bring more abundance into my life. I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that, actually. I mean, I've had people on here that are $100,000 in debt. And 
I think social media, I don't know if you've seen those reels and just things where like, it's become cool to kind of lie to your husband about stuff like that. Have you seen that? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is going to be bad, (laughs) you know, but it's like normal. It's like accepted that we would lie about what we're spending our money on. And so I think it's really powerful that you're telling that story because you're taking the stigma away from it. It's like, okay, here's why I did it, but here's what you can do differently. So I think it's extremely important that more women tell their stories about that instead of like covering it up in shame, because what happens is like, if we continue to hear the story and we tell the story, people will feel more empowered to like fix their money story. What did you do to fix your money story? Well, first I had to stop hiding. You know, I had to get honest with myself. I had to just really start to say and be aware that there is a problem. There's a dysfunction in my life and that's okay. It doesn't define me. It doesn't make me this horrible person. I identify that I have shame around it because heaven forbid, I admit that I'm not a perfect human being, you know, which was right. also like, I had a lot of perfectionism issues. I had a lot of people pleasing issues. I wanted to look the part and perform and didn't want to have to admit that I messed up. And especially I think as a woman who had gotten a college degree, gone through corporate America, like I was supposed to be a boss, you know, and for this boss woman to not have her money ish, her money crap figured out, like that was very disempowering and it was very shameful to me. And so I had to just start really facing a lot of what you just said, Kayla, of like, what are those really dark, gross things that I would be mortified if someone knew about me? And like really getting to the truth of that because that shadow you know, you can kind of hustle your way and try to avoid it as long as you can. And I think a lot of us can to a point, but there will be a day that it is going to come crashing through. I have had several rock bottom moments of just different things in my life. And this is one of them where I couldn't hide from it anymore. And I think too, in some ways, there definitely was this relief there because I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was so sick and tired of this facade. I was so sick and tired of having to omit this thing. And then I like even conned myself because I kept lying to myself like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'll figure it out. Everything's fine. And so being met with this really harsh reality, I had to start facing some big truths. So the first thing that I did was I went to therapy, which was also this big shameful thing for me, because again, therapy is for weird people, quote unquote. That's what I was told to believe as I was growing up. Like you don't go to therapy, you go to church and that's it. Therapy is for like weirdos. And so I had to get over that. I had to really start to learn how to be coachable and how to be a student and how to be open to receiving help which now it's like, that's been the biggest gift in my life is to be coachable. And I believe that every coach needs a coach and I will forever be a student. So I started to get help. I started to read a lot of books. I hired a financial consultant slash manager to really come in and to start to kind of walk me through a lot of the things that I didn't understand. I also learned too, that I wasn't giving myself enough credit, that I was smarter than I was giving myself credit for. And there was a lot that when it came to money that I did understand, I just kept shaming myself into thinking that I was this financial toddler when I wasn't. And so it was all of these kinds of things that I just started to get help. And I was able to start to see what are my strengths when it comes to this? And then what are my challenges? And then how can I get the people in place or the support in place to start helping me with that? So that's what it looked like for me, reading a lot, going to conferences, pulling people into my business to really help me where I needed it the most. And instead of running away from the problem, just really starting to the first time ever, accept where I was and let that be the driving force for where I was going. I think that's important is acceptance is everything. 
if yes. you stay in denial about where you are, you can't change it. So you got to accept, okay, this is what it is right now. What am I willing to change it and get extremely resourceful so you can get out of that and create a new future for yourself. So many people live in denial and oh yeah, denial was like my best friend. And then what also happens too, is that you're not able to shine. You're not able to show the world who you are. You're not really able to live your purpose out, to be of service. And that's the thing that I see a lot, Kayla. I don't know if you see it in your community, but you know, I'll have women that they're like, you know, I want to get what I want. I want this kind of business. I want this kind of bank account. I want to be able to travel in this way. I want to do this stuff for my children. I want to pay off this stuff. But there's always that but, but fill in the blank. And then there's this excuse that comes in. And a lot of times it's because they are denying themselves of their own truth. And this is the hardest part. We all have a part to play and the results that we're seeing in our lives. And even though we can't always be responsible of what happens to us, we're always responsible to how we choose to show up and react and respond to it. And I think a big part of acceptance is that we have to admit that it begins with us and it ends with us. And we do have the power. We're not helpless. We're not hopeless. We're not powerless. We do have the power to change our lives. But admitting that means that we can no longer play victim. And a lot of times the payoff and not admitting it is that I get to play a victim because I can't help myself because the solutions are out there and there's nothing that I can do for myself. So then that perpetuates that cycle. That's why I think acceptance in my life was hard and why I see it being so hard for so many. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. 
Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. In the book, you say acceptance allows us to rise above what we once considered impossible. And I highlighted that because I'm like, yes, like that is that next step you start to see. Because when you deny like actual reality, it's like what you said, you're actually denying who you are at the same time. And they don't live together. They don't live together. And so I love that once you start accepting this is who I am, it means the good and the bad. And you get to really go after it and start going after your dreams. So, you know, I think once you decide I'm going to change my life, right? Here's the things I'm going to do. Like you went to therapy and you're like doing the do in your life. You talk about creating boundaries. And that is such a hot topic with women, especially moms listening in right now. We weren't taught that. My mom definitely didn't teach me how to create boundaries in my life. And I didn't take a class on it in school. I've had to hire coaches to help me with that. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's in other countries, but we just think we should give everybody an all access pass to us. And that's going to keep you from your truest destiny. So how do people start to create those boundaries in their life? Yeah. You know, I think with boundaries, what I've uncovered just through my own years of lack of them is to me, having no boundaries is really just a form of trying to control that. And I mentioned it in the book, if you offer help more than once, you're trying to control. And so by not having a boundary, by trying to jump in and be like, oh, yes, yes, I can do it. It's fine. Yes, I've got it. Oh, yeah, you need me to do that for you. You're wanting to be in control of every person, place, thing, and idea because it makes you feel safe and it makes you feel empowered in the decisions, in the situations that you're in. And so I think that the first step with boundaries is really identifying and boundaries are going to be so different for so many people as are non-negotiables. But I think that it's really getting clear on payoff. Like what kind of payoff am I getting by not having boundaries, by saying yes to everyone and everything? Does it make me feel accepted? Does it make me feel validated? Does it make me feel important? What are those things that I'm getting from this? And then starting to really take stock of, is it lighting me up by saying yes to this or is it actually depleting me? And can I love myself enough? And can I be confident enough? And can I be secure enough to actually say no when I mean no and say yes when I mean yes? And so for me, I know that I'm living within my own boundaries when I no longer delay my own happiness and my own joy, because for a very long time, I would constantly delay what lit me up, what I really wanted to do, what really mattered to me in service of what I thought others wanted me to do. And this could be as simple as, hey, where do you want to go for dinner? And I would be like, oh, it's fine. I'm cool. Whatever you want to do. And it's like, maybe actually I do have an idea. Maybe I don't want to go get Mexican for the 15th night in a row. Maybe I want to go have sushi. And so it's really about becoming aware of when am I saying yes, when I mean no, or when am I saying I don't care when I really do? Where am I delaying my own happiness and my own joy for someone else to kind of get what they want? And can I find a balance there? And then the other thing is, you know, am I subjecting myself to the abuse of somebody else or even just the abuse of me not allowing myself to be seen and heard? Because that is also a form of abuse. If you're not being honest, if you're not sharing your truth, if you're not advocating for yourself, that's a form of your own self-abuse because you're not allowing people to really see who you are and really learn what it is about you that makes you who you are. You're just really kind of curtailing to whatever it is that they want or what you think it is that they want. And codependency and boundaries can have a lot of ties together. But the other thing that I notice with boundaries is that 
I never could really tell where I left off and other people began. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that I had really good ideas about how everybody else should live. And I would just jump in and I would save the day and I would give them answers to questions that they never even asked. Or I would ask a question and then start immediately answering it. And I'm like, well, clearly I don't know the answer if I'm asking the question. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like, you know, it's, it's really about getting clear as to why do I feel the need to jump in and be so wrapped up in all of this? And like, where can I draw a line in the sand and what is safe and what really is okay to me? So it's very layered, but that would be kind of my feedback of where to get started. Now for people that are in the online business space, we have so many people that are listening in that are in the direct sales industry. Do you work with a lot of people in direct sales? Yeah. Cause they're all trying to create their personal brand. Right. Yeah. And in that world, it's like codependency, like, Oh my gosh, it's all over the place. What would you say to that woman who needs to create business boundaries? You know, here's what I'm available for. Here's what I'm not available for. Yeah. It's really first about believing that you're worthy enough of creating those parameters for yourself. Mm. Because if you're just the yes person, like, yeah, I'm available all the time. You can text me at midnight. It's fine. I'll respond to you. There's no limitation to what you're willing to give, which actually kind of diminishes the quality. It's kind of like, why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free kind of thing? It's like, don't be so available. There's a confidence in not being so available. And so with the boundaries, something that I even do is that I'm not in direct marketing, but I'm in online marketing and I run my own business and I'm a solopreneur. And so it's very similar in that ways. I'm also a mom of two and I have a husband and I have the baseball and the kids and the dog and all the things that we all have. And so I'll say, you know, if you want me, you got to get me between 10 and three. That's it. Those are my on times. Now, it's not to say that like, if I do have time and if I choose boundaries, if I'm not delaying my happiness, if I choose to respond to an email after those times, I can, but those are my parameters. And so I set up a Calendly. I give that to people. I used to just be like, oh, well, what time works for you? Okay, 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 okay. And I would just bend. But when I really set that parameter of that time frame of Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday or whatever that is for someone, these are the times that you can get me. This is when I'm available. And then after that, you may not hear from me until the next day. And guess what? The world's not going to end if someone doesn't hear from you for the next day. So not only does that allow the reality of like, Sometimes we just think that we are so powerful and important and we are, we're very powerful and important people, but at the same time, how important is it really? How important is it really for you to answer those 15,000 emails before you close off for the day? How important is it really for you to get back to this person right now? Because if everything is important, nothing is important. And if everything is essential, nothing is essential. And I think by having so many to do's, that's really just a mask of learned helplessness. We learned that in order to do it, we have to do it all and we have to do it all all the time. And so by setting those perimeters for me, just that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 10 to two, Monday, you know, I have a different time frame, And then Friday, that's really like my time to do my stuff. And I've really been able to honor that over the last few years. And biggest feedback that I think that that does with the boundaries is that it allows the world to figure out its problems on its own. Like if I just don't respond to an email and just give it like a couple of hours to just breathe, it's kind of crazy just how things can figure themselves out. And people can tend to kind of start to do things for themselves when you might've been jumping in and doing all the things for them. And so I think that it's that question of how important is it? 
that really kind of helps frame that out. And then I would recommend to anyone start putting structures around your day, especially if you're a mom, especially if you create your own hours, especially if you work from home, we have to give ourselves those boundaries and our children learn from us. And we're doing them a beautiful service by having them bear witness. That's the other thing with my kids. I've got one kid in school and then I've got a kid that's not in school yet. So she's here, but she knows that from 10 to three, mommy is in her office working. And this is the time for mommy to be doing what mommy needs to do. And then after that, we get to have our time. And it allows my daughter to have boundaries too, which is a really beautiful thing. Mm, So good. You know, your book is filled with lots of questions. Yes. And (laughs) I can't remember, I think it's Tony Robbins that said, you know, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your questions. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I love this book. I'm going to promote this book is because you're teaching people to ask themselves powerful questions. And two of the questions that really stood out to me is, what do I want? That's so simple, right? Like, what do I want? But a lot of times you ask women that question, and they're like, no, I, I do. don't want this, right? Or they just are so focused on what they don't want. Like, well, I don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck. It's like, okay, after you get all that out of the way, what is it that you want? And then what's keeping you from that? I love those two questions because there's always an answer. Your mind loves to have an answer. And I love what you brought up because a lot of times that's what happens. Women will come to me and they're like, Julie, I can't get what I want because I don't know what I want. And I'm like, well, you absolutely know what you want because you know what you don't want. And knowing what you don't want tells you what you do want. So if you're someone who doesn't want to live paycheck to paycheck, guess what you want? You want to not live paycheck to paycheck. You want more of a flow and an abundance in your life. So then what would it take to get there? What does that look like? And let's really start to map it out. I love tactics. Being able to really start to take your brain and put it down on a sheet of paper or write it out on a computer screen will unlock more wisdom and more awareness for people than I think they even realize. And that's the biggest key is that, you know, it's important to know what you don't want because that's going to get you to what you do want, but you can't just focus there. Like you've got to be, okay, I'm clear on this. So now where are we going from here? And how is what I don't want getting me closer to what I do want? And it feels hard, but it's simple. It's not always easy, but it's simple. Okay. So there's somebody listening in right now that, you know, she's looking at all of us doing our thing, right. And shining. And she has a story that there's not room for her, or maybe the personal brand market is saturated. What would you say to her? Well, first I would say, what's the payoff in you thinking that? Because there has to be a payoff. So what is it, you know? Getting clear on that because that's going to kind of unlock some origin story things. And I'll give you an example. I was working with a client once that she's always coughed ever since she could remember. She's always had this like cough and tickle. It's not that she's sick. She just has a cough. But when we started, when I was like, well, what's the payoff of you coughing all the time? (laughs) And when she unlocked that when she was little, she used to cough and she would get attention. So she connected psychologically coughing to attention. And that is how she was able to get attention and to feel seen and loved and heard. And when she did that, she was like, oh my gosh, like this has kept me so stuck. This is such a limiting belief of mine. And then it was like, after that, she never coughed again. So my first thing would be like, what is the payoff and you believing this thing? And then from there, it's what's your purpose? And what I mean by that is what is your why? Why do you want to get up every day and create a personal brand? Why do you want to share content on social media? Why do you feel that your message is important? What kind of legacy do you want to leave for your family? And then why? Why, why, why? Like getting down to the root of your why. My why is freedom. I wanted to be able to not live like my mom did, to not be at the crux of having some man dictate how she lived her life and how she spent her money. I didn't want to live like my grandmother who was in extreme poverty, who had eight mouths to feed, who had no education background, 
you know, I had the privilege to live a different life. So how was I not going to waste that? But I really had to get clear on what was holding me back first, which is what are the payoffs of that? And then why did it matter for me? And so for me, it was freedom. And your purpose can be different for anybody. For me, it's that. And then I had to define what does freedom look like for me? Does it look like being able to take my kids on a vacation and not have to nickel and dime the entire experience? Does it mean being able to, you know, go to revolve.com and buy a shirt that I like without getting that knot in my stomach? Does it mean being able to put my kids through college or paying off a family member's debt if I choose to do that? Does it mean driving a Range Rover? It's all fine. It's all relative. There's no shame around it. What's freedom to you could be completely different from someone else, but it's about getting honest with yourself and making sure that it's your purpose and yours alone and that you're living it out for you, because that's, what's going to give you the freedom to unlock it to the next step. So those would be kind of my two first big steps in that direction. So if you're listening in, take out your journal and start answering those questions. They're so good and more good questions. So you talk about being your own publicist, which makes sense because that's your like formal background, right? And you tell people like, be your own publicist. And there's a lot of programs out there that teach people that. But again, I know it probably starts with, you got to believe you're worthy of publicity. And what's the next step past that? Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to being your own publicist, and I've seen this a lot, not only in the courses that I teach, but even when I did PR for clients, you know, a lot of them would come in and they just expected just to like throw money at a situation. And then it would unlock all of this media Mm -hmm. and this visibility and this recognition for them. But then they really didn't believe in it themselves. And it's like, if you can't toot your own horn, how do you expect someone else to do it? So it's really about building the confidence to sell yourself on the idea. I mean, that's always the first secret to any negotiation is that you have to sell into your own idea before you share it with someone else. And so the power of the pitch is how I do that. It's like, how are you crafting what it is that you want to say? And how are you bringing that out into the world in the pitch? And there's a whole chapter on that in the book. But being your own publicist is really about you getting clear on the importance of you being your biggest cheerleader, why that's important, you believing in your message stronger and harder than anybody else can, and then you being the driving force behind that. Because you can get supporters and you can get people to help you and you can hire people to do things for you. But if you don't believe it to be true in your core essence on a conceptual level and on a deep rooted level, it's not authentic and people are going to see right through that. So that's why I always strongly encourage people, especially if they're starting out to be their own publicist, start pitching themselves, start putting out ideas, start getting feedback, start learning from your nose, start refining your ideas and your spin on things. And most importantly, start believing that what you have to say and what you bring to the table, it's important, it's necessary, it's needed, and it's helpful to people. And that's really what it's about at the end of the day is being in service to something greater than yourself. I think that everybody wants to be in service of something greater than themselves. But when people are stuck in that scarcity mindset and Mm -hmm. they're stuck in survivor, like all they can see is the next day in front of them and getting their paycheck, you know, or whatever, getting theirs. What would you say to that woman who's like in total survivor mode? She's just like, Julie, that sounds great. That's awesome. I'll do that when I have time to sell myself on my idea. But like in the meantime, how do I pay my car payment tomorrow? 
Yeah. I think taking it one day at a time is huge because that's, what's going to keep the overwhelm from getting overwhelmed. And that keeps you living in the present moment. So for that person that is like, I literally have to pay the bills today. Then I would say, okay, let's make a list of what's essential. Like, what do you absolutely have to do to keep the lights on today? So let's make sure that we do that. What are things that people need from you, whether it's a child or something like that? Now, it may be like a friend wants you to do something for them. That may not be essential. Kids may need something from you, but what is absolutely essential for today? And then do you have five minutes? Do you have 10 minutes? Are you willing to give yourself that? What are you willing to do to craft out five to 10 minutes to then give yourself that time to then take it to the next step? Question that I always love, it's that there's two. Wouldn't it be great if, and you can fill in the blank. So wouldn't it be great if, I got covered on X, Y, and Z media outlet. Wouldn't it be great if I did a collaboration with X, Y, and Z? Wouldn't it be great if I killed my sales numbers this month? Wouldn't it be great if whatever? And then the next question is, okay, what would it take? Mm. What would it take to make that happen? What would it take is like the number one PR secret negotiating question that you can ever ask. You can ask it of yourself and you can ask it to other people. What would it take to make this happen? And I think the most important thing, and this goes back to the purpose, is that we're always going to be able to come up with excuses. Survival mode, scarcity, there may be reality to that, but we're always going to be able to make excuses and to argue for the limitations that we have. So your purpose has to be stronger than the excuses that you can make for it, always. And that's where you have to make the choice of, you know, am I willing to give myself this gift of five minutes to only do what's necessary today. And then with whatever time is left, I'm going to give that to me and to my dreams and to my goals and to really mapping this out. And that's why at the end of every chapter in the book, I have these questions. I have these prompts. I really try to lay it out in a very step-by-step because that's how my brain works in a step-by-step system to make it as easy as possible for you to start applying this work to what it is that you want to do. I am obsessed with books where you can write in them. Like that is my jam. And like, I love how you have that in there and what I'm hearing. And I want everybody to pick up on like with Julie's mindset here is she writes everything down. People have this, like, I don't know, spaghetti mess inside of their brains of just all the different thoughts and things and stresses and worries. And if you were just to get it out on paper, that's when you gain clarity, you know? So what's this like next big audacious move that Julie's going to make? Oh, I think I'm going to get into the space of letting this book be what it is and then just being open to receiving the answer. Mm -hmm. I think that being someone who can have a lot of scarcity mindset, and I've talked about that, it's so easy for me to go into survival mode because that's all I ever knew growing up. It's part of my lineage of just like, can we survive today? But when we get so focused on the energy of what it is that we don't, like we don't want to just merely survive, but if all we're thinking about is merely surviving, then what are we going to get more of just merely surviving? So if we can just ask the question, like, what would it take for me to fill in the blank? And then just give that some room to breathe. Don't get so bottled up in the question. Just give it a rest a little bit. Then I think that it puts the distance between asking and then actually being able to receive the answer. And so that's kind of the next big thing for me that I'm just going to let this thing come out and live. And then I'm going to stay in gratitude. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to rest, which I don't like doing, which is why I know I have to do it. I'm going to ask for something that I want and then just go change the subject and just let life surprise and delight me along the way. And I think it's so hard to remember that that's available to us when we're in that scarcity mindset. And when we're in that survival mindset, but something I want to encourage those who may feel that all they're doing is surviving is that you have to know those are the most powerful people. 
the ones that can survive day in and day out, do you realize how powerful you are? Do you realize how the capacity that you have to achieve what you want? If you've been able to get up every day and make it happen every day. So if you can do that, then that's already proof that you can do anything that you want to do. It's pivoting that perspective just a little bit and staying on that focus of what would it take just for today, just in this next hour, what would it take for me to get a little bit closer to what it is that I want, even if it's just a step. So good. How old are your kids, Julie? So I have an eight-year-old little boy and I have a 20-month-old daughter. I love that. So I am so, I'm in the diapers. Yeah, you are. And <laughs> you are in it right now. I know that there's a mom listening in right now that she loves all of this advice and it still just doesn't feel practical to her because of, you know, her kids. Yep. She doesn't want to take any time away from her kids. What would you say to her? Well, what's the payoff? <laughs> and you're not well, wanting gonna, to take I'm going to name the episode that. What's yeah. the payoff? <laughs> what, what, what are you making up and telling yourself that if you took time away from your kids, what would happen? So get clear on that. Does it make you selfish? Does it make you a terrible mom? What does it say? And then the second thing is I would say, well, wouldn't it be great if you took time away from your kids and that actually created something that gave you more time with your kids in the future? And not only just more time, because I'm just going to be honest, I don't want more time with my kids. I want more quality time with my kids. And so what would it take for me to get more quality time with my kids? And what does that look like for me? So for me, quality time with my kids, I can't think of anything better than sitting my butt on a beach with the sun out, just enjoying the day. That's gold to me. So what would it take to get me to that beach, spending quality time with my kids? And that's what I'm going to be working on today. But the goal, I have that greater vision for that quality time. So it's not just about time. And then they're seeing me running ragged, exhausted, not happy, unfulfilled, not living joyously, which is doing nothing for them. So how can I show up today to become the woman that I want to be tomorrow? How can my actions today start helping me become? Because she's not just going to plop down on my lap. I have Mm -hmm. to create her in order for her to become. And so that's how I think about it. It's that bigger picture. I think it's so easy to get so small and minute. So think about that, that if you just took five minutes away from your kids today, the five minutes that you think is going to be detrimental, well, what if that five minutes unlocked 30 minutes of more quality time than you couldn't even imagine with your kids tomorrow? What would change? Everything. Absolutely everything. And because this is Mommy Millionaire, I like to ask like super practical questions because Mm -hmm. this is sometimes what moms need to know. What kind of help do you have at home? So that way you can run a thriving business, you know, create a best-selling book, Mm -hmm. all of that. I work from home. So Mm -hmm. I have to have help here. Like this podcast would not be happening right now if I didn't have help here because my toddler would be coming in every five seconds. I have a 20-month-old, I have a puppy. Her name's Lily Jo in diapers, (laughs) my sweet little baby girl. My son was just talking about, he was like, I want to get a new puppy. And I was like, no, we already have a little puppy that we're potty training right now. It's our sweet little daughter. So I have a nanny that's here Monday through Friday. She's here from 7.30 and then she leaves about three to four o'clock because that's when my son gets home from school. And once he's home from school, mommy's done with work and it's family time. And that's how we have the help. My husband works full time. I work full time. So we have that. My son's at school. So he's there five days a week. And then we have someone here with my daughter and I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be able to get work done, but the way that I work, I would not be able to do it 
at the quality that I want to do it at. I'm just not, you know, my mom's like, well, I raised 15,000 kids and never had a nanny. And I'm like, well, mom, you're a better woman than me because I can't do that. You know, I need the help. I really do. And so I think there's so much power in being able to say that and not having a stigma around that. And our childcare is such a crucial part of our life and our family. She's like family to us. And I think it's also a different time and age. You know, when I was little, my mom was selling Mary Kay and she was working part-time. And so she wasn't a mommy millionaire. Mm -hmm. And so it was a different mindset. It was a different focus, but I built that over time. You know, when I was first building my business, I didn't have help and I did as much as I could until I couldn't do it alone anymore. Yeah. And then do you have like a housekeeper or do you have any of that kind of help? Yes, we have incredible. There's three women. They come every other Friday to help us clean. I Um, love that. And then like the reason why I ask questions like this is because I want to give people that are listening in permission, like success leaves clues. So if people are investing in their home life in practical ways like this, it frees you up mentally. Oh yeah. No, I don't have to go clean the toilet or, you know, somebody's out there playing with her right now. So you can be all in on this moment right now. Yep. And if that's what the successful people are doing and you want to become her, you've got to start taking actions that she takes. And there's no shame in that. And again, this is just the scarcity mindset. It's like, even when I had the money to be able to afford a house cleaner every other week, I still wouldn't do it. Cause I'm like, well, I can just do that. Like, I'm not going to spend the money on that. But what ended up happening is that I would get done with work. And then the quality time that I wanted with my kids, well, that was now being taken by the laundry and the floors and the vacuuming and all of this. So I finally told my husband, I was like, look, there's cooking, there's cleaning, there's, you know, things that I want to do with the kids. There's things that I want to do in the house. I can't do it all on my own. So I enjoy cooking. So I'll do that, but I do not enjoy cleaning, but it still needs to get done. So I'm going to hire someone to come and help us do that and happily pay them because that means I get more time with my kids. Yes, exactly. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm glad that you're doing that. That you're freeing up your space so you can have that quality time with your kids. And for any mom that's listening in right now, it's like, this was just your reminder that you're worthy of help too. And the law of circulation is at play. Like when you bring somebody like that into your home and you're investing in them, like you're helping them live a quality lifestyle. Right. And so it's all coming back to you in some way. And you just have to remember that like you're investing in other people's futures as well. And it's such a privilege to do so. It is. And there's no badge of honor in doing it all yourself. Like you don't have to suffer to succeed. What would it look like if it were easy? (gasps) Such a thought. Such a thought. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on. I'm like just super excited for you. I honor you and the work you're doing. You don't have to be doing this, you know, but you're doing it. And I honor that part of you that's just committed to your purpose and committed to giving back to those women that need this work. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the Influencer Podcast. If you're wanting to dive deeper into the topics and discussions that we have here, I would encourage you to head over to juliesolomon.net and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It is in our amazing newsletter community that we are able to really support you on a much larger scale. And I love to do a ton of amazing things that I send inside your inbox every single week. So just head over to juliesolomon.net. You'll see a little spot there that you can add your information in and you will get on the list and start receiving all of that good stuff.